So what's the big deal about Jesus? We talk about him a lot in church, right? We talk about Jesus a whole lot. And actually, there's, there's this phrase that, that we say from time to time, and, it, and it's an incredibly divisive phrase. And over the centuries, this phrase has caused a massive amount of division and debate down through the centuries. It's, it's the phrase about Jesus, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And for example, this is just one example of many, but uh, for example, this, this statement and this truth about Jesus, Jesus is Lord, is at the, it's at the very center of the division between Christianity and, and for example, the, the Mormon religion. Jesus is Lord. Is that really worth dividing over? Well, welcome to Element Church. On that note, uh, my name is Andy Hazlett. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm just honored to share a message with you today. Whether you're joining us in person, I uh, want to welcome you, or even if you're joining us online at a later date, we're, we're thankful that you are, are joining us. I brought a picture with me today. It's up on the screen for you. Uh, you should see it here in a moment. It's a, it's a picture of an unfinished bridge. Hopefully, there it is, uh, an unfinished bridge. Now, this is, uh, it is, is known as the Foreshore Freeway Bridge, also known as Cape Town's unfinished bridge in South Africa. And uh, this bridge was designed in, 19, in the 1960s, and construction began in 1970. Construction uh, ended in 1977 because they ran out of money. And uh, it still to this day sits like this as an unfinished bridge. Now, uh, what good is an unfinished bridge? The answer is easy. It's basically good for nothing. It's interesting to look at, and actually, this is now kind of a tourist destination. People come to look at this unfinished bridge, and they're still trying to figure out something to do with it, but an unfinished bridge is basically good for nothing. The big question that we're going to ask and answer in the message today is this. What is the big deal about Jesus? I mean, all churches believe in Jesus, right? Well, actually, uh, there may be a lot of talk using the name of Jesus, but there's a lot more confusion about who Jesus is and what Jesus does than about anything else. If you're not a Christian and you're here today, I'm so glad that you're here. You've come on a great Sunday, actually, because I hope to clarify for you who Jesus is and what Jesus does. When our faith in Jesus is reduced to Jesus just being a good guy, a great philosopher, a prophet, or my buddy, then my faith in Jesus is just about as worthless as that unfinished bridge that I showed a, a picture to you of. At the end of the day, if Jesus isn't the real deal, if Jesus is not God, and if my faith in him is not the real deal, then my faith in Jesus is a complete and total waste. The main scripture for today is Psalm chapter 110. And we're going to, uh, in particular, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Now, uh, uh, in this psalm, we see a number of things, but in particular, we're going to see two of the most basic answers to this question, what's the big deal about Jesus. We're going to start with verses 1 through 3. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you don't own a Bible, as always, we would love to give you one free of charge, no strings attached. Just stop by the guest services table out in the lobby. We'd love to give you one. Verse 1, David is speaking, 
And, uh, and he says this, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. When you go to war, your people will serve you willingly. You are arrayed in holy garments, and your strength will be renewed each day like the morning dew. Jesus is portrayed in this psalm in two ways, and the first is this, Jesus the King. Jesus the King. We sang about Jesus the King throughout worship today, and this is an incredible psalm, incredible passage of Scripture. It's written by King David from the Old Testament uh, hundreds of years before Jesus shows up on the scene. Now, this is a prophetic psalm, meaning it speaks of the future. We read it in the Old Testament, but it speaks of the the coming Messiah that, that we read about in the New Testament. And there's multiple psalms like this, and they're known as the Messianic Psalms or the Royal Psalms. Now, some of the Messianic Psalms are a little bit more difficult to spot than others, and some of them have more debate surrounding whether or not the content is actually speaking of the coming in the future Messiah. But this psalm is nearly uncontested by scholars, meaning that scholars agree that without a doubt, this psalm is speaking of the Messiah, who we know now in light of the New Testament to be Jesus. Psalm 110 is quoted in the New Testament more than any other psalm. In fact, let's look at one of those quotations where Jesus actually quotes this psalm in Matthew 22, 41 through 46. It says this, Then surrounded by the Pharisees, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, He is the son of David. Jesus responded, Then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, call the Messiah my Lord? For David said, the Lord said to my Lord, there it is, there's that quotation. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? No one could answer him. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. Essentially, Jesus argues with the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of his day. Jesus points the Pharisees back to David and says that the Messiah is the Son of God and that the Messiah will come from the lineage of David. Now, in our translation, our English translation, it says, the Lord says to my Lord. The first word for Lord is in all caps. You'll notice a difference. It's in all caps, where the second word for Lord is not in all caps. It's different, but it still looks like the same word in our English translation. But in the Hebrew, the original language, the first word for Lord that David used, the Lord said to my Lord, the first word for Lord is Yahweh. Yahweh. And, and what it means is it's referring to God the Father, the Creator God, the covenant-keeping God. It's a word that is never used for a created being. It's speaking of God the Father. The second word for Lord is different. It's the Hebrew word Adonai, and it means my superior. So it says, Yahweh says to my Adonai. David speaking, in, another, in other words, 
God the Father says to my superior. Now, the reason this is important is because David is king of Israel. And humanly speaking, David did not have a superior. He was referring to the Messiah, his superior. The Jews believed that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. But, but how, and this is what Jesus focuses on in Matthew. How could David's great, 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 great grandson be a superior to David? And the answer is in the incarnation. God became flesh. So what's the point? Maybe you're wondering, what's the point? Well, let me get to the point. Here's the point. Jesus is divine. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. And we see it further in this statement where he says, sit in the place of honor at my right hand. The right hand of the Father was a position of power and glory, and no mere human could sit in that seat of honor at the right hand. Jesus is king. He has all authority of the Father. He is ruler. He is right now sitting on a throne of glory where for all eternity the people of God will worship him, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who is and is to come. Praise the Lord. Now I can sense maybe there's some confusion in the room, and I share that, I share that confusion with you because these are, these are kind of difficult passages. So, so what does Jesus the king, Jesus is pictured here throughout this whole psalm as the conquering king, but what does the conquering king really have to do with me? Summer is, is nearly upon us. Like it's going to be 75 degrees today. It's going to snow in like two or three days, but it is 75 degrees today, right? And so if you're not going to be outside today, make sure you get outside today. It's awesome. And th- that means that camping season is close at hand as well. How many people like camping, uh, being outdoors, fishing or whatever, all that kind of stuff? Lots of you. How many people hate camping and you'd rather stay in a five-star hotel? Okay, we've got some of you. That's, that's all right. We're glad you're here as well. Well, last fall, um, I bought a new camper, and uh, we have been making plans for the summer, and uh, we have been eagerly anticipating summer to arrive so we can go out and enjoy this camper, really, you know, break it in and, and have some fun with it. So we got different plans going. We're so excited about the warm weather. I brought a picture with me. Here's a picture of this new camper. Did I say it was new? I mean, it's not... It's not quite new. Um, I bought it from Pastor Steve, actually. Uh, He's in the room as well, so he can testify that it may not be brand new, but it's been well-loved, and there's some some sweet hail damage all across across the top of it. Uh, Hopefully, they don't leak too bad, but we'll we'll find out this summer. It's going to be awesome. And that's my setup crew in the picture there. Uh, With a camper like that, you have to have a setup crew. Well, let's just imagine, just imagine with me, what if instead of buying a 1981 Coleman pop-up camper... That's awesome. What if instead I bought a brand new 2018 fifth wheel? Here's a picture of brand new 2018 fifth wheel. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful right there. Now, I don't think my minivan would pull that. So uh, in this scenario, I would need to buy a new pickup as well. But just for fun, I kind of looked up, what would that, that one right there, brand new 2018 fifth, or fifth wheel, what would that cost you? Sticker price, all the bells and whistles, incredible, will only cost you $87,000. Isn't that awesome? Holy cow, that is unbelievable. 
$87,000. Now, now uh, I, I you know, kind of thought about this a little bit and, and thought, if I were to do that, for one, I would need to come up with a, a big old down payment. And, and secondly, I would need to take out a massive loan in order to pay for it. And I bet there's a bank that would love to finance that for me. Probably somebody would love to finance that for you as well. And I, if I did that, I can count on a couple of things. Uh, one of the things I can count on is, is I could count on having to pay about $800 a month for 10 years. Ouch. Does that just sting a little bit? It stings me a little bit. That hurts. Uh, I can also count on it losing at least 25% of its value the moment I drive it off the lot. Oh, even bigger out. And maybe even worse is after 10 years, based on research, it would be worth uh, 10% of its original value. By the time I'm done paying for it, oh, man, that just hurts thinking about it, doesn't it? Now, I'd have to borrow money for that, a lot of money for that. I can't, I can't afford that. But whether it's a camper or whether it's you know, just about anything else, you know, fill in the blank. When you are the borrower, you don't get to set the terms, right? Rather, you are submitting yourself and you are submitting your financial future to the terms of the loan. Like if you don't pay the bank, they get to come repossess their property. That's how it works. You you don't get to tell the bank what to do. They tell you what to do. They hold all the cards. Now, I'm not saying that God is like a bank because he's not. And, and, you know, if you push this illustration too far, it breaks down pretty quick. But But what I'm trying to to, uh, paint a picture of, I'm hoping that this begins to convey the type of relationship that we are to have with Christ. Christ Jesus is the conquering king. He's not my buddy that I can just kind of convince to do whatever I want him to do. When, When I surrender to Christ as king of my life, as Lord of my life, I am surrendering to his authority. In other words, I don't get to set the terms. And we're we're reminded in these three verses here that to serve Christ is voluntary. He will not force you to serve him or surrender to him. It is your decision. But when you do, he will put on you a different garment, a robe of holiness. He will renew your strength each day day. He will teach you to be holy. He will lead you into the light. We do a disservice to ourselves and to the world when we explain the Christian faith as if it is simply friendship with God. Christ is not your buddy. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. Yes, he is a personal God. Hallelujah. Yes, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Yes, he promises to be near to the brokenhearted. Praise the Lord. Yes, he promises, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Praise the Lord. But church, make no mistake. Christ is king. He is king. And perhaps the most important question we can ask ourselves And in light of what David is saying here, is he my king? Is he my king? What's the big deal about Jesus? Well, well, Jesus is king. And quite frankly, if he is not king, 
If Jesus is not God, he has absolutely no authority nor ability to save me from my sin. The fact that he is Lord, the fact that he is king, allows him to save. Amen? Number two is this, Jesus the priest. Jesus the priest. Verse four, David says this, The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, admittedly, this appears to be a very strange and difficult verse. One that I I know, I have read this verse multiple times throughout my life, and and you just kind of quickly think, what, you know, Melchizedek, who, what is he talking about? And you just kind of move on and, and get to the next psalm. But there's something incredibly powerful here. Prior to the new covenant, where we read about Jesus in the New Testament, before that, there existed for the Jewish people an Old Testament sacrificial system. In Israel's history, particularly the period of the monarchy or the period of the kings, Israel had both kings and priests. The king acted in a position that you would expect a king to act in. The king was a political leader of the nation. This is separate, however, from the priest. The priests came from the the line of Aaron and the, the, uh, the tribe of Levi, known as the Levites, And they served as the spiritual mediators between God and the people. They served in the temple. They collected offerings from the people. uh, You would bring your sacrifice to the priest, and the priest would offer that sacrifice on your behalf. And as sinners... Uh, As sinners, our sin is an offense against God. We have broken His laws... In order for me to have a right relationship in good standing with God, payment payment must be made for my sin. So there was a sacrificial system, and the, the priest would atone for your sin, and they would offer those sacrifices on your behalf. Now, who's this Melchizedek guy? Because that's uber confusing. Well, we don't know much about Melchizedek, but we see him in the Old Testament book of Genesis 14 in an encounter with Abraham. And Melchizedek is both king of Salem and he is a priest. So Jesus is similar. He is like Melchizedek because he is both king and priest. This verse is quoted in the New Testament, most notably in Hebrews 5, 6 through 9. So let's read it quick. It says this. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. There it is, right there. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. And he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Now, the book of Hebrews articulates in great detail the priestly duties of Jesus. His death on the cross as as the perfect Lamb of God is and forever will be the sufficient sacrifice to pay the penalty of our sin. Right now, 
Jesus intercedes on our behalf for those who believe in him as Savior. He is our mediator, and he offered himself in my place. Melchizedek brought peace and blessing to Abraham. And and Jesus is a priest like or similar to Melchizedek in this way, because in short, as, as, as priest, Christ brings peace. Brings new meaning to this phrase of Jesus, Prince of Peace. He brings peace with God by offering himself for our sin. When we use the phrase, receive salvation, this is really what we are referring to. He steps in to my place. He pays the penalty of death that I owe. He forgives me of my sin, and he sets me free from its power over me. Hallelujah, right? So we're singing about it today. That's, that's, that's phenomenal. It's incredible. Now let's think about this, uh, and let me put it a different way. Let's think about this in terms of citizenship. Now I know that citizenship is is kind of a hot topic in our day, and I'm I'm not really going there, Uh, but let's think about it. Excuse me. Let's think about it in terms of being a resident in the state of Wyoming, okay? Now as a resident in the state of Wyoming, there are certain benefits that you receive, do you not? Like, if you go to Kurt Gowdy this afternoon, State Park, you're going to pay a few dollars less if you have a Wyoming license plate than if you have a Colorado license plate, right? That's awesome. That, isn't that awesome? That's so cool. That is so awesome. Now, uh, my kids benefit from the uh, education system in the state of Wyoming. It's a great education system. And my kids benefit th- uh, that because we are residents of the state of Wyoming. A couple weeks ago, it was tax day and your taxes were due. Maybe that is kind of an oh crap moment for you. If you realize in this moment, I didn't do that. Uh, you should go do that after church today. They were due. But as a resident of the state of Wyoming, you know, you get to pay uh, several hundred dollars or even several thousand dollars less in state income taxes because we don't have them than if you lived in a different state. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. So thankful. Now, maybe this one uh, you, you don't consider a blessing. I don't know. But did you know that Wyoming has some of the cleanest air in the country? That's awesome. You know how I know that? Because the wind blows like 35 mile an hour sustained gusts. It's awesome. And it keeps that it keeps that air flowing, man. It is so clean. Maybe, maybe you didn't see that as a blessing until now, but but when you are a resident, when you are a citizen, you receive certain benefits just because you are a citizen. And when Jesus is Lord of your life, you receive something that you cannot work for. You receive the benefit of salvation. He brings peace and reconciliation between you and God. He intercedes for you. He atones for your sin. It it adds so much meaning to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. He wipes away your sin and guilt. He pays your debt. He forgives you. He steps in your place and takes what you deserve. He advocates for you. He champions you. Do you know his peace? Do you know his peace? Have you received it? And I'm telling you, you cannot experience his peace unless you're submitted to him as king. If he is not king, he cannot save. And if you do not know him as king, then you do not know his salvation. That's it. That's the, that's the gospel in a sentence. And man, he wants you to experience it. More than you know. Several months ago, 
had an awesome conversation with a, a woman in our church that I have a, a great level of respect for. And uh, she's been a believer for a number of years and uh, knows the Lord. I, I would say she's a mature Christian, like knows the Lord, pursues the Lord, hears from the Lord, uh, follows the Lord with her whole heart. And uh, we were having a conversation and, and she was sharing with me about a time in her life that was several months back. Uh, she was sharing with me about a time in her life where she had been disobedient to God. I was just kind of, you know, sitting there listening and And then she began to just weep about what she had done. Tears coming down her face, hands trembling. And I I mean, there was such a deep sense of grief that I could see in her demeanor. And, and, you know, the the human in me, kind of the, you know, I feel kind of non-spiritual for admitting this, but I'll, I'll share it with you. In that moment, I didn't say it out loud, but in that moment, I began thinking, man, what did you do? Like... Whew, like, the, based on how you are responding, this must be a whopper, you know? I'm, I don't know what I'm about to hear. Like, did you go whack somebody or, or what? Like, what happened? No, I didn't quite think that. But, I, you know, part of me was like, man, like, what happened? She began, she kept, kept sharing, went into more detail about what had happened. And it's in the middle of a church service, a uh, church service like this, that, that she felt the Lord had told her to go up front and to kneel down up front and to pray, and she didn't. She heard the voice of God and then disobeyed God. Now, in my mind, again, I I may not be smart, but I'm I'm smarter than that. So I didn't say anything. I just kind of listened. But I'm thinking, I feel like you're overreacting. (laughs) Like it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. You know, of course, I didn't say that. Just kind of listened, and, and uh, uh, you know, after we talked for a while, went our separate ways and everything, and that God just kept like bringing that back up in my mind, you know, just over and over again. Do you ever have that happen? You know, you think something dumb, and then God, you know, God just brings that up again and again, and God kept bringing that up again and again over the next several weeks. I was so challenged by that. Uh, to be honest with you, cha- super challenged even today as I think about, think about uh, in particular, her response. Because here's a person, like, she's not the type of person that just blows smoke and says, oh, I heard from God, you know, aliens are coming or something like that. Like, we hear, trust me, as a pastor, I hear some weird things where people say they heard from God, you know what I mean? Like, trust this person. You know, I know that, like, yes, yeah, she does hear from God. I believe that. And, and she's sharing that she, she heard the still, small voice of God, and she disobeyed it. And that absolutely wrecked her. Absolutely wrecked her. And over the last several weeks, I've just been thinking, do I get wrecked like that? When I'm not sure I'm completely obedient to the still, small voice of God or Am I always even listening for that still, small voice of God? And, and, and friends, I, I just I wanted to share that with you today because the Lord just kept bringing that back up in my mind as I prepared this message as well. And, and I, I think that's the kind of reverence that we ought to have for King Jesus. It's the kind of reverence that we ought to have for him. He, listen, he's, he's not our BFF that we can just chill with, you know? 
And he's, he's just our BFF. That he's almost like our co-equal. When, when he speaks, we should tremble. When we, when we understand his truth, we should be quick to obey. When we understand and we, we realize and we experience the conviction of his spirit and we realize that, that we've understood his truth and we have not obeyed his truth and we've sinned against him, like when I understand that, I, I ought to respond in repentance and sorrow and trembling because I have such a reverence for King Jesus. I'm not saying that he's not a personal God because he is, praise the Lord. Fully God and fully man. There's so much to know about King Jesus. But friends, he is King Jesus. And we ought to surrender to him. So I want to just take a few moments as we close the service today. Let's bow our heads together and just kind of reflect on our own life you know, where, where are you at with God? And speaking to believers in the room, do you have a reverence for King Jesus? Have you been responding to him as King and Lord of your life? Or do you resist when he desires to conquer something in you? Maybe that's you today. Maybe you, you know that you're a Christian. You say, man, I, I don't think I've been walking in reverence to Jesus as my king. But I know that I need to, and I want to. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand saying, hey, that's me. I want to make sure I'm responding to him as King Jesus, and I'm not quite sure if I have been. And I want help with that. Thank you. And put your hands down. Maybe you're here today, though, and, and, you, and you know that you're not a Christian. Maybe you've had a, a misconstrued concept of what it means to be a Christian. Jesus is king, and Jesus is the one that offers forgiveness, but he cannot offer you salvation unless you know him as your king and as your Lord. So I'm going to give you that opportunity to, to pray and to right now to surrender to him as king and Lord of your life. If, if that's you, if you just know, I need to pray to receive Jesus as my Lord, would you just slip up your hand acknowledging, that's, that's me, that's me. I need Jesus as my Lord. Thank you. Whether you raised your hand or not, would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, I believe you are God. I need you to be Lord of me. I need you to be king of me. So today I'm acknowledging that I believe in you, Jesus. I submit to you as king of me and Lord of my life. Forgive me for my sin. Help me to walk in your light. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, let's celebrate. Several people responded those things this morning. It's awesome.
Listen, if you, if you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, I want to just encourage you to stop by guest services today. We'd love to give you a Bible and a Next Steps devotional, no strings attached. And also, I want to challenge you to tell someone, tell someone about your decision to follow Jesus. And uh, a great way for you to tell someone, uh, to tell lots of people, is by being baptized. And uh, on your seat, there's a card with information about baptism, and uh, that may just be your next step. Uh, and so I'd encourage you to consider, to consider that. If you're new here, just a reminder, we'd love to meet you in the living room. It's out in the lobby across, across the uh, lobby through these doors over here. And uh, if, you're, if you're here today and you'd like somebody to pray with you, we have a prayer team at the Purple Tent right behind the sound booth, and they'd love the chance to pray with you. Hope you have a great week. Enjoy the beautiful day.